Oh, you know, just watching kids be raised without any of their relatives. Abandonment. <laughs> just a fun Sunday night. as if he vaporized out of the driver's seat and just floated away. Koya? Bell's father owned the bar on Avenue A. He'd taken all the cash and left a note. Sonia Stego said her dad wrote her a letter. It was as if he planned to miss the next 30 years of her life. People used to vacation here. They used to come here for the lake. My dad said when he was little he'd go fishing. Now we just have dust storms. Do you have a girlfriend? Not really. You have a boyfriend? We got some scrap. What do you guys want for it? How about those bikes? We're just gonna leave like everyone else? What do you want me to do? I want you to think about us! There is nothing here! Koya asked me what life on the moon was like. At sunset, they sing all the old songs. The ones Grandpa used to sing to us. Mothership! Mothership! We're about to launch! I kind of thought this was your idea of a perfect parenting world. I mean, if I am the parent, then yes. <laughs> I don't know about or, being the kid, especially the just uh, dump all the bastards in the Salton Sea, and that was kind of your idea of uh, how we should handle this situation. Yeah, wasn't that? Uh, didn't they have a little bit more hijinks than that with uh, Val Kilmer and Vincent D'Onofrio? Wasn't he missing <laughs> like a nose or something? Yeah, they, they kind of pushed the it a little bit further there. I'm guessing Artie Lang didn't watch that movie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he had other stuff to do, though, I'm sure. Yeah, that, that's, that's all he needed, a couple more Val Kilmer flicks. <laughs> that would have really straightened him out. He was, you know, presumably doing drugs at the time, so <laughs> didn't need my nerdery or my sarcasm, I guess. But all right, what, what are we talking about? Don't come back from the moon? We are, yeah. I was asked... <laughs> Multiple times today, what are you watching by the wife or what are you about to watch? And I was like, it's something moon, not Sam Rockwell related. Um, I was like, I think it's don't go to the moon. I don't know. I was like, I think it's bad. And uh, the movie establishes that pretty quickly, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know if it establishes too much else, which I dug. <laughs> I kind of liked it. Like. I, I like that it was uh, this story about uh, parental abandonment and, I guess, daddy issues uh, where the moon is just referenced. Uh, I, I like that we actually don't get that into it. I, I feel like it for as sort of fantastical sort of seeming it is um, that this is one of the more realistic looks at how, like, a young adult would process such a thing 
which is that kind of sucks, but they don't actually like talk about it too much. They kind of just go about their business being teenagers. Yeah, I, I, that's I, I like that nothing is being spoon fed in this film, that it's just these kids kind of existing almost as these feral children. You don't know really what happened. Um, apparently it's some sort of an agricultural issue. It seems like is what they're pointing towards from what I can tell in the film. But beyond that, um, it didn't seem like he had to hunt too far to really find the dads and where they were all hanging out. No, so no. next down over, that's better. <laughs> this place sucks. 20 minutes down the road. Pretty good. Just didn't want to bring you bastards along. You know, but it's uh, it's one of those things that for me it was really easy um, to paint myself into this movie in a lot of ways. There's uh, as a dad, a lot of times when you're working and you can kind of justify a lot of absentee behavior just for work and pushing yourself out of your kid's life to some degree. And I have to be aware of that that I'm not you know, that I'm actively engaging with my children and I'm not just saying, well, no, I need to work. I, you know, I got to get on my laptop when I, I really don't need to do the thing at that time that I could do it after they go to bed and get those things taken care of. Um, so yeah, it was very relatable and kind of a gut punch in a way I wasn't expecting, expecting, especially the end of this film. Well, I mean, I'm questioning your priorities and I guess your commitment to sparkle motion here with this podcast. <laughs> that you, don't, you don't tell your children, hey, I got to go talk about don't come back from the moon with Mike. <laughs> well, that, that's the that's the problem. When I when I tell them that the look of disappointment on their face that they yeah, the judgment I can't get through. So it's so. the opposite of our, our last conversation where you accuse me of. Uh, going to watch Suspiria with my wife and getting the uh, the opposite effect where she's like pushing me back into your arms. Like, please <laughs> go talk to the freak show on film Twitter and Skype and just leave me out of it. Just <laughs> that's your own thing. Yeah, it's 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 the yeah exact opposite. You're getting pushed back in. I'm getting pulled out. So it, it's this dance we've been doing for years now. And that's why we turn out two of these a year at this point. Well, it's like hardcore history or something. You know, people tweet about it like crazy when there's a new one. I don't yet see the checks in the mail for that stuff, but I just assume they're on their way. Uh, here, so here's a question to someone without uh, kids, and I guess I should, uh, for effect here, knock on wood, if the mic picked that up. Um, mm -hmm. I do have my uh, dog who's now pushing his way underneath the microphone just so he can snore underneath it. So that's also probably why we're not quite hardcore history. <laughs> but at what age... Do you think there will be that, not a disconnect, but where your children will push their old man, like, go, go do your movie thing. Like, just please leave us out of it. <laughs> what, 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 when do you expect that? that Sooner goal? than I would imagine. Um, I, I, it happens more and more every day. Um, it's something that my wife pointed out probably about two years ago was that there's going to the last times that things happen, you're never made aware of them until much later. So there's going to be the last moment that your son gets on your shoulders and rides around, but you'll never be able to enjoy that moment and, you know, do have them up there for an extra, you know, 10 minutes or so just to kind of really let that soak in and know that'll be the last time you get to do that. There'll just be a day where that stops happening. And so it's these incremental movements that they take these little steps forward and, little by little eventually yeah they're i don't know uh 
having some dramatic scene where they, you know, throw the car keys down and they're going to the store to buy a pack of smokes or something. I assume that's what teenagers do or a vape pen or something like that. I don't, I don't know what it'll be. I mean, <laughs> and, I, I hope with your kids, uh, by the time they reach that rebellious stage that the vaping thing has, <laughs> that was just some sort of embarrassing fad. Like, uh, it, it, I don't know. It, does it make me a bad parent that if my kid has to do one of them, at least I don't want him to smoke or vape, but at least I could respect him a little bit more if he was smoking cigarettes. Uh, he'll probably get a little more play. Uh, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's already too far gone where, uh, vaping is cool to the, the ladies. I, I, I have no idea, but I, I have, it is one of those things that, um, I forget if it was you or I that was having that conversation or maybe it was just with, family over the holidays where we were talking about of course i think we always sound like old men especially mm-hmm. on this show but <laughs> <laughs> there does seem to be a speed with which things turn over now that uh i don't find myself totally comfortable with like i, I when i was a teenager that like rock and roll for instance like there were still mm-hmm. cool rock bands they weren't your father's cool rock bands but that was still a thing, you know, the guitar, bass, amps, drums, that doesn't exist anymore, right? Like there's not like a uh, top of the charts, like that is the band for that moment type Imagine thing. Imagine Dragons, I guess, oh, is fuck. the closest thing to that. <laughs> yeah, and they suck. Um, so I guess that's the closest thing we have to it. But that's, it's always been turning over faster and faster. Um, you know, if when I was in high school, it was in the mid 90s. So it was the grunge thing that really was the flannels were everywhere in 92 and by 96 they were kind of gone so i think you know every high school generation every four years it seems like the music turns over it's just yeah it's not the guitar bass and drums as much anymore as it is a dj or it's hip-hop music that i'm so disconnected from that i have no idea what it is anymore i wonder if our parents felt the same way where um even if i just am casually exposed to any of that type of music by newer artists i just sort of put my hand up not saying like that's bad outright but i'm like i'm not gonna be that guy trying to get into this like (laughs) i am retired from that i don't have to prove myself to any of you people anymore i am now in the i'm the retirement phase of any new art that i'm consuming which i don't know like that's that's kind of a that's one of the things I really dug about this movie was it's like I was thinking and I'm interested in what your pick is as far as like here's a movie that we can sort of mash up to present this to listeners uh, as this is a new release. And I honestly it's not one of my picks, but I was like, do I go to like fucking Soderbergh's Contagion? Is this, is oh. this like the end times? <laughs> like, well, that's the thing. Does this take place right now or is this in a dystopian future? I have no idea. That's oh, probably not that far off. I mean, we probably we're probably just a <laughs> stone's throw. <laughs> I guess you're right. If you we don't have a government anymore right now, is that is that what's going on? Something like that? Uh, come on, man. To be fair, we've not had a government for like the last two years. So. <laughs> that shouldn't fair we enough. shouldn't be uh, causing a sweat. I feel bad for those people that are like myself not getting those checks. For me, I think it's probably deserved, counting on that podcast money. But for them, they actually were doing some work. Um, so I'll just go ahead and put out, uh, my pick and I, I really, I really kind of struggled with it cause I thought you could go a number of different ways, but I'd end up gravitating back towards the, uh, abandonment, uh, and the sort of, I guess the creation of a new family. So, and there, mm-hmm. cause there's a little bit of optimism in, in this film in that way that you can 
if you want to, you can choose like that harder path and stick things out. And that doesn't really happen in my film, <laughs> but there's a chance of it. So I went with uh, the Spike Jones film, Where the Wild Things Are. Well, this part of your kingdom's not so good. Why? Well, look, this, this used to be all rock, and now it's sand, and then one day it's going to be dust, and then the whole island will be dust, and, and then I don't even know what comes after dust. Carol. Mm-hmm? Did you know the sun was going to die? What? I never heard that. Oh, come on. That can't happen. I mean, you're the king. Look at me. I'm big. How could guys like us worry about a tiny little thing like the sun? Huh? Ah, fantastic. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, is, is there even a dad in that movie? Does he make an appearance? Uh, not like a, like a human dad. No. Um, I'm guessing James Gandolfini's monster character is to some degree the dad, but then what what was cool about that? He's movie, also the dad though, sort of. Yeah. The, the, the boy ends up as the, mm-hmm. the sort of like the disappointment to his children, even though they're large monsters who could, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, that, that poor kid had to inherit uh, a bunch of children that could already beat him up. You know, the 16, and 17 year olds that are pumping iron and ready to smack you around for not being into your, the hip hop music that they're into. <laughs> so Spike Jones did put this, put this kid through the ringer, but, uh, I also, I want to throw it out there. I have no idea what the response will be to, to this film. Cause it is, uh, it, it's strange. It's, it's definitely off the beaten path, but it's, I think the themes it's tackling were universal. Um, but I, I do remember some, uh, pushback to where the wild things are. And I think people wanted it to be purely for kids, more like a Pixar type thing where it's right. like, it has some of the melodrama, but, uh, there's a lot of sugar to go down with it, and for long stretches, especially when those fucking monsters are playing, it's not fun. It's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> like you think someone's, I think an arm gets ripped off at some point. Yeah, there's there's a genuine threat uh, that you can feel. <laughs> there's menace in the background of that film at all times, which is probably why I enjoyed it, but definitely not one that I've shown it. I haven't shown it to my kids, and my son's eight, so. If it had that kind of a connection, I assume that would have been something I would have wanted to show him at this point. But no, I haven't even thought about putting that on for him. Yeah, a little too, a little too scary. You know, stick with, stick with something a little funnier like American Psycho. That's something with the, <laughs> <laughs> the broad strokes. <laughs> I mean, I say that in jest for a child, but it honestly is a bit more fun than Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's no – oddly enough, uh, where the wild things are uh, hits a little bit too close to reality yeah, for, for, yeah. for my taste. And uh, the American Psycho is so fantastical that you can't possibly connect to it on any human level. It's pure fantasy the entire time. You don't often go to the ATM and have the machine tell you to uh, feed it the cat? No, hmm. no, no, no. I mean, you definitely t- don't want that on record on the audio. <laughs> do, do, do ATM machines even exist anymore? Well, I'm, I don't know. The banks are still around <laughs> as of this recording, <laughs> this you know, message in a bottle we're throwing out on the internet. 
<laughs> I'm really hoping that you pick something uh, apocalyptic here because that just no. I I, I no. I, I I didn't. I was uh, actually thought of Road to Perdition okay. um, with this one just because it's the idea of this search for your father, and then in the in the end, the inevitability of becoming like your father or choosing your own path is the part of this that I really connected to. How is Michael? Is he okay? I've spoken to him. He understands. That's tough. Seeing that for the first time. Well, you turned out. You can't protect him forever. If it wasn't this, it'd be something else. Natural law. Sons are put on this earth to trouble their fathers. I think it's it's definitely not as uh I don't want to make people think it's even as heavy handed as something like Road to Perdition. It's way. not. And it, no. I mean, because the main thing is in yours, you know, the father's still around as much as he probably similar closing shots to both movies. I'm just thinking about this now, though. Yeah, that's that is true. Um, and I don't I don't want to paint you as some you know mushy fuddy-duddy there like you are talking about your film which actually has a father is he's a paid hitman who has to take, yes. his, take his kid to work day to go kill people so <laughs> it's strange that comes across as like oh that's the light touch on this episode of these three um well i mean it's a sam mendez movie he uh even his melodrama has some levity to it. So it's that there's some shit in Road to Perdition that, yeah, it's a heavier film, but there's actually some moments that are pretty damn funny in that movie. Uh, I, I think it, for me, I don't, I doubt you would agree with me on this. It's uh, uh, for once hideous Jude Law uh, taking a bunch of glass to the face. And uh, I, I always read that that character was kind of pissed about that, that even though he was sort of like a disgusting, like impish creature already, that how dare <laughs> he's he wound his already <laughs> ugly face <laughs> in combat <laughs> i'm betting if i go to rotten tomatoes there will not be a mention of that particular element of the film because i don't think you're supposed to like really hang your hat on that but i did no that's not the thing that people drill down into and really uh, <laughs> spend a couple weeks hanging out on that point <laughs> I'll have to check my road to perdition forums and see if that thread I started got any got any hits this week. I've only been waiting since what was that, two thousand two? It'll get there. It's a, it's a good memory. Well done. You do enough of these podcasts. I'm pretty sure we've actually done an episode on something for Road to Perdition. I'm sh- on one of these incarnations, yeah, I'm sure we have. I don't think we've done it on this one though. So is it fair game to bring that up again at this point or Oh sure. Do we need to- okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean- I feel bad for the the people that follow us from project to project and they're like, son of a bitch, this is a rerun. <laughs> they just repackage this. It's a clip show. Oh, God damn it. If we had half a brain, that's what we would do. Uh, just really. I, let me tell you, it is far easier just to get on Skype and just rehash this bullshit. <laughs> like, remember when me actually having to bring out the files from a hard drive? No, no, sir. Good that's point. Not, yeah, not happening. And, and there's a damn good chance that my take on it will be completely different week to week. Yeah, that's it. That's another thing that kind of plays into this element of becoming <laughs> your father. Is it better to just become the old man or like, do you have that like wild streak? And then you, I don't know. Well, I'll ask you, like, I'm assuming you went off the beaten path. 
<laughs> do you look back at the that sort of uh, rebellious phase where you're developing like probably a broad spectrum of of taste uh, mm-hmm. that's anti print? Do you look back at that with pride, or is there is is there more cringe than pride when you think oh, about that? No, phase? there's there's no embarrassment to it uh, at all. Um, in fact, if there, I always wonder about kids who don't have that rebellious streak in them at that age. I think that's part of you know, sort of finding yourself is going through that and testing those waters. And if you don't do that, it seems like that's the appropriate time for it. Then I have friends that kept living that dream into their thirties and then into their forties, they're still doing that. And that, that's, that's where it gets cringeworthy to me. I'm not yet in my forties, Chris, if you're, if you're saying this <laughs> podcast project is, <laughs> is well, this, is, this is embarrassing and cringeworthy, but for totally different <laughs> reasons. <laughs> Uh, ones that ones that I've made peace with at this point. I think you have to. I think you have to to have the the stones to to <laughs> hit, hit call or accept on Skype. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is really a moment of truth week after week when I just see that little you know green dot pop up on the screen. Well, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> but you get to talk about, for instance, like this movie. I, I this is one that I think would for the most part slip through the the indie film cracks because even with the the title and the poster artwork you may think it's leaning genre fair but this has far more in common with uh another film i thought of it's i don't think it's got as much to do with the parental aspect but um uh all the real girls i think okay i think it was like 2003 somewhere in the early 2000s um I was I was thinking of that one just because of the the small town aspect of it. The, sure. Because uh, this film, with the more genre elements of as you and I said, like when is this set? And you know, they're, they're, the kids just seem to accept that it's like, oh, this, you know, the <laughs> we just live in a desert and there's no hope, and we, it's like <laughs> Mad Max. We gotta find like scrap metal to trade for bikes. Uh, you remove that little bit from it though, and it's not that far off from people who have just kind of accepted that they live in somewhat of like a snow globe with their small town. Mm-hmm. That's like, a, there's the idea that, yeah, you could escape. But one thing I really get sick of in, in movies is that you have like a bunch of kids, like sort of verbalize that. like can't wait to get out of this like fucking <laughs> town. And, you know, and there's, they never really, it's like every movie character that comes from a small town unless it's a rom-com where they're going back to that small town after been, you know, being in New York city for a decade. Uh, you always wonder like, well, they have, did they, did every single person here like grow up with no attachments to their like friends or family? Like <laughs> there's just, they're just waiting to 18 to hit that one big reset button. I'm like, I don't, I think there's a little bit more like you'd be torn here. And this movie doesn't give a ton for like Rashida Jones to do as the mother, but you feel that, that presence there of like this, this is what I'm going to leave behind like to follow in the footsteps of my father i have to leave behind this compassionate woman who doesn't have a very fulfilling life living in the desert with all the you know the mad max cretins running around and cutting hair but there is in the brief amount of time she's on the screen there's like i think genuine warmth from her and like trying to hold on to something that kind of what you were saying earlier where it's like you know that they're gonna be last moments and it seems like the way she plays her character is she's always holding her breath. Like every interaction yeah. could be the last moment. I really, really dug that aspect of this movie. Well, you're absolutely, I completely agree with you on that, but there's something that as far as the style of the movie, there were other considerations that I had because there's, 
something when I was talking to the director of this, he was saying that they would do multiple takes with the dialogue and then they would do a separate take without any dialogue for it. Just play the scene without talking to each other, going Mm. back and forth and getting the emotional aspect of it. And it was something that so much of this film is told through those takes. It seems where you're, you know, you think of the party scene and it's just so much of the interactions and you can pick up exactly what people are thinking, what they're going through those motions without saying a word. And it kind of, in a way, reminded me of Badlands, where there's so much of those two characters' stories told with just them running around with each other. And I I thought that the visual aspect of this did kind of have Malick-esque tones Mm -hmm. to it as well. So I think that I thought about doing that, but and maybe that would have been a better one with a Badlands meets. Yeah, Road to Perdition might not be the best choice for this one, but I guess I've already stuck that out there. Well, I didn't mean to insult you by saying that you know you're the the sap here with Road to Perdition, <laughs> <laughs> the obvious sappy choice. I had another one in mind, so I think this is going to be the episode where it's like. I opened up saying it was a struggle for me, and yet I thought of like four or five different movies that I easily could have gone with. And here's one that we have featured on the show before, which was Mike Mills' Beginners. Oh, and, sure. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you were talking about that party sequence, it actually reminded me a lot of that, uh, except, and no offense, Beginners, which is a movie I, I really like, but without the cutesy bullshit. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's certainly cutesy bullshit. In that movie is cute. You can't. Get around but it's that supposed to be that, right that's, exactly that, that's yeah. part of the charm of that movie sure. uh but you're, you're mentioning the uh the lack of dialogue in the party sequence and how like these two like young lovers they sort of like there's like a gravitational pull for them mm-hmm. like to get together and there's nothing if you were an outside observer what i really dug about the scene is you wouldn't you wouldn't really know which characters to focus on like any one of those characters in the party like making a connection with one another yeah. and it helps more. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot more meaning because it does have that almost apocalyptic sort of <laughs> setup to it. Where it's like, man, these kids are drinking beer and partying and they all know like there's really nothing for them here. Like this is, this is it. This could be the last like interactions they have with each other. Um, but I thought of that beginner's moment because in that setup, there's this, uh, you know, they the characters are forcing this sort of restriction <laughs> on themselves to not talk. Yeah. Uh, I like that here. And I like hearing that sort of anecdote that, uh, you know, let's just try it. Let's just see if we can get across the same message without dialogue. And I think in particular in that sequence, it really works. Yeah. That, that's something that I, I think it was, I, we didn't have much time to talk, but it, it was something that I really dialed into right away. And that's why that came up. I was asking him about sort of the nonverbal communication in the film. And it really felt like they just kind of threw the script away to some degree in that with the way they were deciding to execute this Um, because they, I don't know, that's, I guess one of the liberties of adapting a screenplay from a novel and then directing it, that you're not so precious with the words and you can just throw things away and you have that feeling for it and sort of speak to the emotional truth of the scene as opposed to the exact words. And yeah, this movie feels so honest to me in ways that I would not have expected. Um, and in fact, when you have the, the leads of the film, I'm far more interested in them than the sort of the name actors that you kind of hang that film's hat on. You know, you get people, the, you know, butts in the seats with those names, but this Wahlberg kid, kid is great in the film. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, I mentioned Rashida Jones and James Franco would be, I guess the other headliner, which you, uh, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say you spoiled it for me. You're like, oh, he's just, you know, 
just a brief uh, <laughs> bit of uh, Franco there. Uh, but I assume given <laughs> given the setup of the film and like where he falls in line, like this is no longer Freaks and Geeks Franco. So I'm like, well, he's obviously not one of the kids. So I think he's going to be one of the fathers that gets the fuck out of there. But I actually kind of I actually kind of dug that uh, as well, because I, I like that they were cast the casting someone who had that um, like moment of stardom when he was like a young 20s yeah. actor that would have pl- he would have very easily played like the lead here but uh this no this uh Wahlberg kid which uh uh i guess unfortunately for him the last name <laughs> <laughs> yeah he i think he's a part of that <laughs> lineage is he cuz yeah. uh does not uh come across that way no he, i mean he weirdly enough does look like he could be Rashida Jones and I, James Franco's I had kid that thought uh as well so um he I'm trying to like he he is definitely given like a tough <laughs> a tough leading part here where mm-hmm. he has to not only react to things around him but he can't be reacting too much because I think then you fall into the trap of this kid's like what are you an idiot like it's happening <laughs> to everyone like we can't <laughs> even though we're spending most of our time with you you can't have him like having these breakdowns, which may be actually justified for what he's going through that one by one, you're seeing like people you've grown up with, like pull, it's like a horror movie at times. Like they just disappear. <laughs> They're just yeah. like killed off from your life. Children of the corn would have been a, another one that would have been a safe sort of all the adults. Except being gone. that one's also lighter too. Cause you could <laughs> really, be, is. there is the hope that you could be well fed. You know, if you're quick, <laughs> And you know, you're able to fight children, which you damn well should be able to. That's one of the big hangups I have with that movie is, you know, a few of them need to like, it's like the first one through the door, the, like, you know, the first eight year old that tries to put his mm-hmm. hands on you. Um, you know, he gets, he gets smacked down. He gets knocked out. <laughs> I would have loved have to be a pile on. I would have loved a scene in children of the corn where they're like, they, they're drawing, I don't know corn sticks or whatever to see which one has to bust in on a grown man and woman first. And it's like, shit, like I'm going to get my ass kicked today, but you know, the seventh one in now you'll get them right for our satanic sacrifice. None of that here. And uh, don't come back from the moon. Well, you, you taught, you touched on something though, where he's not having the sort of um, big emotional breakdown scene. And I think that they, talk to that a little bit in the way that his younger brother reacts to him when he has the son has that or the younger brother has that emotional scene where he asks him to never leave because he's the father figure in his life now i really what i really liked about that sequence is you have that and it's a fairly realistic exchange where obviously this child can doesn't yet have <laughs> the shame that <laughs> <laughs> bred into men to not show tears in front, especially in front of another man. But I, I really like that moment that uh, after the brother leaves the room that he like sits down the hallway to like, like it's not that he just has the hard conversations. He's actually mature enough to like stop and listen to the pain that he's causing someone he cares about. Like it's always, it's yeah. easy to shut the door and be like, you know, I said the hard thing that I have to say, and now I'm now I'm out. But he he does stick around um, to sort of take it in, which I thought, I thought was a pretty. It's an important moment if you have faith in this young man to not become like his his father. And of course, it has one of the most I think depressing uh, barroom sequences of all time. But and he plays that that barroom sequence so well um, because he just comes from this scene where he's you know finding himself as a man and, you know, really doing what he thinks is the right thing and 
going on this journey, starting what he expects to be, you know, figuring, putting some pieces together and just something about he, the way he holds that glass of whiskey in front of him. He looks like such a child in that scene. Um, and it's not his physicality cause he's as big as anybody in that room. It's just something in the way that he's carrying himself that is not a verbal thing. It's not the words he's saying or anything, but he plays an innocence and in an in over his head. That's just brilliant and i don't know if that's me projecting onto him no no he th- looks so young but it just seems like it was performance no i got that too and i guess my last movie i'll pull i don't know if in this episode i should just list all of them like all 15 <laughs> uh was <laughs> uh the the horrendously awkward date from uh fast times at ridgemont high <laughs> where, <laughs> where they made the decision to have the characters like the the way they dress the set was that the furniture like the chairs are sitting in the table were like yeah like way larger than what an adult would have. Like it's like a, a kid going to like a, you know, fairy tale land or something. Cause they wanted to sh- they wanted to have that perspective. It's like, wow, these are children playing at being adults. <laughs> this movie manages to accomplish that by just having this kid walk in. And I guess that's, you know, credit to his performance that him just standing in the bar. I got that same feeling like, Whoa, this is, you know, maybe this is, and I don't think the film is saying that this, like the next generation is infallible. I think that, you know, this could be a choice that this young man is faced down the road, but at least at the start, and you have to, you have to give the other characters credit that, you know, they started with the best of intentions that they could, you know, make something here in their home and their community. And it's just, you know, they're finally just being forced out. That being said, there are some that, especially in that bar sequence, there's a conversation as much as the guy feels for what he's done. He's hanging around talking shit at the pool table and getting drunk. And it's like, well, you have some time, don't you? <laughs> some time to be a father here. You could, you know, you're finding some me time in your in your day. Yeah, it would be like me, like with this podcast, you know, or for you, like you, you actually have a timestamp of how much time you spent talking about don't come back from the moon. <laughs> And as per usual, it's almost exactly 30 minutes a week. That's not too bad. That's not that much of a commitment. So uh, That's not bad. I hope your children understand. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of Projecting Film, <laughs> where we encourage fathers to leave their children in keeping with, I think. I think that's the meaning of this film. I think that's what they were trying to get across. I think so clearly. I mean, you know, it's that that's the choice. You could hang out in this shithole town or you go shoot pool and drink whiskey, right? Or podcast. You forgot the manliest of options. Oh. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> I think they'll do it. Get Is there down. a more emasculating experience than podcasting? Well, I mean, I'm sure there are, but I'm not going to mess up my uh, Google search history trying to find that stuff. <laughs> I'm already getting sent like, hey, here's this microphone you should buy. Let's just keep it PG. Well, I think they listen to the quality of my recordings. They know better to send me anything on microphones. That's true. Now, that, what what they really need to send you is the uh, the, the webcam fix so you don't have that, <laughs> that autofocus, that floating <laughs> shot. Yeah. Uh, that one was uh, hard to get through because I'm like, what? Is is someone about to jump out of the closet with a knife? Like, why is the camera trying to warn me or Chris? <laughs> I had a crew. You know, I figured I just... I, I didn't know if I was watching, uh, like, you were John Cho and one like a horror film where someone's <laughs> about to kidnap you. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, only 15 people would know about it with this podcast. <laughs>
wow, our numbers have doubled. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a few more gadgets to download my shit on, Chris. <laughs> okay. If we count ourselves, <laughs> we're back to where I thought we were. <laughs>